Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Ministries podcast. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaches us a pathway to peace. Let's join the pastors of Brookwood Care Ministries as we explore eight principles of growth in this care podcast series on the journey of healing. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Care Ministries podcast. We're on part two of our podcast series, The Journey of Healing. My name is Josh Masters. I'm the Associate Care Pastor here at Brookwood Church, and I'm here with two other fine gentlemen. Uh, my name's Doug Wildman. I am the Counseling and Marriage Pastor here. And I'm Gene Becker, the Care Ministries Pastor. Excellent. It's good to have you gentlemen back with us. And we have Alex at the helm over there. So we started a podcast series last week based on the eight principles that we use in Celebrate Recovery. But we made sure to explain to everybody that these principles really are for everybody. And so is Celebrate Recovery, really. Two-thirds of the people who come to Celebrate Recovery are there for something other than chemical addiction. But even outside of Celebrate Recovery, these principles are helpful in our spiritual growth and in our healing because they're based on the words of Jesus. That's the key thing. They're based on the words of Jesus, so they help us in every area where we're struggling. In fact, they come out of the Beatitudes, which is a section of the Sermon on the Mount. So last week we focused on principle one, which was realize I'm not God, admit that I'm powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing, and that my life is unmanageable. And we talked about that in the last podcast. So if you didn't hear that, I encourage you to go and check that out because these sort of build on one another. But this week we're going to look at principle two, which is based on Matthew 5.4. Happy are those who mourn, or blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And the principle reads like this, earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover, or you could say heal. That builds on the principle that we talked about last week. So last week we talked about the idea that I have to realize that I'm not God, that I'm powerless, that I can't control things in this world. Well, once you do that, once you realize that you're not God and you're powerless, unless you find God, then you're left with nothing right? So principle two is sort of made up of three separate concepts if you listen to the principle closely. First, earnestly believe that God exists, believe that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. So let's take some time to unpack what those look like. So the first one is earnestly believe that God exists. That's the first part of principle two. The word that we often skip over is earnestly because it's not enough to just believe in God in a passive way. Like most people will say that they believe in a God, that there's some sort of power, that that the universe is connected in some way. Mm -hmm. Like everybody will say that, or most people will say that. But earnestly believe that God exists. And the word earnestly, according to the Oxford Dictionary, means showing sincere and intense conviction. So it can't be a passive belief in God. It has to be an active belief in God. It has to be a belief in God that you engage with, right? It's an intense feeling um, and a sincere feeling. So you need to understand who God is. That's one question I've often wondered. If you do believe that there's a God, but it's passive, why would you not want to get to know that God, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so earnestly believe that God exists. And the second part of that sentence is, I matter to him. And I know, Gene, you had some 
specific thoughts about that. Yeah, I mean, you know, to tag on to what you said about, you know, earnestly believing that God exists, you know, God wants to be known. You know, there's there's plenty of scripture that talks about him being our God and us being his people. And if we, you know, if we seek after him, we will find him, you know. Mm. And so <clears throat> the it, it, this idea of mattering to him was really instituted early in his word. If you go all the way back to Genesis, you know, 127, and this is the, the NLT version, it says God created human beings in his own image. And just in case you didn't catch that, in the image of God, he created them. So he says it twice, you know, and then says male and female, he created them. So of all the things that God created in the universe, human beings are the only creation that are made in God's image. Mm. So mm. If, you, if you just stop and meditate on that, um, obviously there's some value to human beings. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Also, he says afterwards, you know, that it's good. Everything else he created, or excuse me, he says it's very good. Everything else he created, he said it was good. When he created human beings, he said they are very good. So I think the problem that a lot of people have is their circumstances determine their belief in the value that they have to God. So therefore, if something bad happens in their life or they're having a, you know, a season where things aren't going well, they have a tendency to equate that with, well, God's mad at me or God doesn't love me or God has left me, Mm -hmm. even though those same people would give you scripture after scripture saying, you know, where Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. You know, I'll be with you till the end of the earth. Like they know it intellectually, but experientially, their, their circumstances have a tendency to identify them. Right. And so this is, this is great as, as far as healing is, you know, if you have gotten to a place where you, you earnestly believe that God exists, now it's what kind of God are you believing in? Right. You know, is this a God that punishes? Is this a God that's mad at you? Is this a God that's distant from you? Well, the Bible doesn't, describe him that way. So we may have some, you know, kind of like a, um, uh, you know, uh, untying of knots that has to happen on the inside because we've, maybe we grew up with circumstances that told us that he is that way. But then we read God's word and we're like, well, wait a minute, I'm seeing a loving God, but I haven't experienced that. You know, Ephesians 1.4 says something similar. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So when you think of that, God loved you before you were even born. Right. God chose you before you were even born. And so when you start thinking of that, and, you know, you you hear things about being adopted into God's family. Um, When you start thinking about that, and you start meditating on that, and you start giving that your attention instead of your circumstances, if you're born again, then the Holy Spirit within you is going to start to resonate with that, and that's going to begin to change you from the inside out because now you get to walk in some boldness and confidence of, of being God's kid. You know, the last thing I want my daughters to do is doubt that I value them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if, 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 if I have to discipline them, 
it's always in love. If I have to discipline them or correct them, it's it's for their good. So I have to be aware of how to best do that. And I think God's the same way with us. Now, we could all probably share stories of being disciplined by our parents, and we didn't like it. Right. <laughs> but now that we're older, we're a little, you know, we have the ability to have um, a lot more uh uh, memories with our parents where we can kind of see what they did within the frame of the whole thing. Right. And so it's easier to go, I may have disagreed with that, but I can see where that was for my my good. We start to be able to see the big picture, yeah, which is something that we can't always do with God, right? Because he sees the universe from beginning to end. He sees the big picture that we're not able to see. One of the best metaphors is the uh, story of the prodigal son, which is Luke 15, 11 through 32. And a lot of people remember the story. The younger son goes, give him my inheritance, takes off, you know, he wastes it, you know, and then he comes back. And and the way that the father approaches him, you know, uh, I was reading something the other day that said, um, you know, that when he ran to go greet his son, that would not have happened. That would have actually been an embarrassment mm. because uh, the men of that time did not run in mm. public. And so the fact that he, the father, was willing to lay down the social constructs or the norms and, and be embarrassed for the sake of his child mm. coming home really sets quite a picture for us in the fact that God, you know, puts Jesus on the cross, he's cursed, you know, and there's all kinds of things in the Old Testament about the, you know, what that means, but the, but the sacrifice of, of him being cursed just so that we could have relationship with him, it's really hard if you continue to meditate on those things to continue to believe that that God doesn't value you, right? Um, you know, my father, my earthly father, has has passed away, and and after he had passed away, as my brother and I were going through, you know, his things, I found a letter, and when I was seventeen, I had um, I had a job. I was a bellman at a hotel, and uh, <clears throat> the general manager came in one day, it was a slow season, and I was talking to one of the front desk guys, and he basically said, well, you know, if you can sit here and talk, you can leave. You know, and I was like, okay. So I left, and then when I came back, uh, you know, for my next, uh, you know, time to work, um, the lay at the front's like, well, he said to give you this letter, and, and basically it said I was fired. And I was kind of scared because I was like, oh, I don't want to get fired. My dad's going to be mad at me. And so I told my dad what happened, and he asked me all these details, and he said, well, you know, you need to find another job. I mean, that's not right, but there's nothing we can do about it. Well, I found a letter in his briefcase that he had written to the general manager. And in the letter, he basically said, I've raised my son to be a hard worker and to tell the truth, and you firing him without cause and without explaining it to him, he said, is unfair. He said, you know, my son deserves an apology from you. He said, because I'm left with having to explain to him why 
he got fired and he didn't do anything wrong. He's done what I've told him to do, basically. And, you know, when, and I still have this, that letter, obviously. But when I think about the letter, the fact that he went on my behalf, it didn't change anything. Right. I didn't get my job back. I never heard from the guy. But the fact that he went to bat for me, the fact that he went and said, hey, look, this is, this is my son, and the way you, you, know, you treated him was, was not appropriate, he defended me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about God and about the fact that even at this moment, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us because the enemy wants to condemn us, Jesus is, and God are side by side going, no, that's one of mine. Mm, right. And telling the enemy, you, you can't condemn him. You can't condemn her. Now, if you can get that picture in your head, right? if you can internalize that, if you can, that's a, that's a pretty big truth that you, and it's, and you can hold on to them. I mean, that's a promise. That's not like, you know, an interpretation of the Bible. That's Jesus is at the right hand of the father interceding for us. Right. And it's personal. It's for each person individually. So sometimes when we think, oh, he made man in his image. Oh, well, that's just everybody. He's not necessarily looking at me. But Scripture also says that he knit each person together in their mother's womb. Mm -hmm. It's intimate. It's personal. And when he's interceding on our behalf, it's not for people in general. It's for us individually. So when we say in the principle that I matter to him, it's not just that people matter to him. I matter to him. And that's the realization you have to come to. And then once you know that you matter to him individually, the next part of principle two, the end of it says, and know that he has the power to help me recover mm-hmm. or heal. Uh, and I know, Doug, you had some thoughts about that. Yeah, I think this is huge. I mean, this is kind of the reason why we do what we do at the care department at Brookwood. Um, God really does have the power to heal. Um I'm sure I speak for the other guys here, but I know for certain I have seen people receive healing. I mean, and it's, and it's uh, miraculous, really. Yep. Um, but there are some times um, where the healing is a little bit different than what people had anticipated as well. Right. Um, we're all kind of on a on a, uh, a healing journey. You know, we all have, we're, we're all a work in progress, let's be honest. Right. Um, but, but having said that, what I have found a lot of the time in my own experience has been that God gave me more than what I had asked for. But at the time, I, I was, I was kind of going, God, why are you not coming through? Why are you not doing what I had asked? Mm-hmm. And he ended up giving me far more than what I had asked for, you know, helping me to, um, overcome, uh, and, and to, to dive into him deeper than, than I had before. Um, and it would not have happened if he had not guided me through that, that journey. Right. So, um, sometimes he's very difficult to understand at the moment, but as you're looking back, I don't know about you guys, but looking back, I always marvel at what God has done. Um, 
Yeah. He's difficult to understand when we're looking at the circumstances through our own eyes instead of through God's eyes. Exactly. Right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And as I was, I was talking with you, Josh, a little bit earlier, um, if we make our relationship with God our highest priority, if we see that as the greatest treasure that we can seek after, all of these other things, while they're important, I mean, they can't hold a candle to to knowing God. I mean, there's nothing that can take the place of a a relationship with Christ that's in, in a in a deeper at a deeper level. Mm. Um, in uh, Matthew six thirty three, it says, "But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all of these other things they'll be added to you." Uh, don't be anxious about tomorrow because. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Sufficient for one day um, is its own trouble. I think he's he's basically saying, hey, don't worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Live in the now and trust me in this present moment. Right. What am I doing with you at this very moment? Can you trust me? Will you trust me? Right. And that's really um, – when we have it as our, our, our primary focus – to draw nearer to God, he will take care of all of the other details. Mm. And I don't know about you, but there there have been so many times where I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for something to happen, and it actually happens, and I'm like, oh, that's it? <laughs> really? That's all? Yeah. And um, what I was really seeking after was, and I didn't know it at the time, but what I was really seeking after was a deeper walk with God. Mm. And... Um, and fortunately, he's patient, and he uh, he does he does bring about healing in a lot of different ways. So um, those were some of the thoughts that I was having about um, him having the power to help you to recover. Like Josh has been saying several times, we're seeing our circumstances from our perspective. Yes. So therefore, our concept of healing is coming from our perspective, and God may have another. Uh, and most of the time he does, I know in my life, he has another view on what that healing looks like. And it's usually more, it's usually more comprehensive than what I was wanting or what I was expecting. And I think as you're talking about people, you know, pursuing a relationship with God and we're we're making that a priority, Mm -hmm. then, you know, you will... Healing will occur because you, your soul is healing, just because you're putting your time and your effort into a relationship with God. You know, like when we talked earlier about nutrition and, and finances and exercise, you know, if, if you're constantly looking for the results right away, mm-hmm. you know, if you're constantly looking at the scale or you're constantly mm-hmm. looking at your bank account, you, you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. But when you realize, you know, putting the effort into my relationship with God, all of a sudden there comes a time, and I call it getting lost with God, you kind of get lost into that relationship with him a little bit. And then what you wanted is really not as, like you said earlier, it's not as important as you thought it was. And then all these other things start to happen and you're like, wow. This is way bigger. It's, it's like it's like going like we think two dimensionally, and God thinks like you know nine dimensionally. Yes, and there's right. all these other little <laughs> right. aspects of it that come in. So, 
Richard Wormbrandt. I don't, do you guys know who he is? He is the, uh, the guy who started the organization called uh, Voice of the Martyrs, which oh, yeah. is a, it's an organization that uh, speaks on behalf of those who are persecuted around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, he, in, in his book, Tortured for Christ, there's a movie actually coming out uh, very shortly here on his life, but he was, he was uh, held captive um, in a, basically a dungeon under the ground, I think it was in Bucharest, Romania, um, for years and years in like pitch darkness. And um, he had these most amazing visions of God. And Mm -hmm. when the time came for him to actually be released, he was like, I'm not even sure if I really want to leave this cell Mm. because of all of the, the ways that I have encountered God. He went out of pure obedience out of that cell to share about what was going on. But um, I sometimes feel that same way about my own story where it was like, wow, you know, I never in a million years thought I would ever say this, but it's through that pain and that that suffering um, that uh, I came to know God in a deeper way and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of it. When we say that to recognize that God has the power to help me recover, mm-hmm. part of that is trusting that he knows what recovery and what healing we actually need, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because sometimes we can ask for a physical healing, and sometimes God will give a physical healing. Absolutely. But he'll yeah. know that he can use that physical healing because in a way that grows us spiritually, because he knows what we really need is spiritual healing in that moment. Yes. So part of accepting that he has the power to help me recover is recognizing that he's the really the only one that knows how I need to recover mm-hmm. and what I need to recover from and what I need to heal from. And once you have that revelation from God, that experience with God, that changes everything because Absolutely. then you can lay things down, which we're going to talk more about next week. Next week, we'll be talking about principle three, just to give you a teaser. Uh, Principle three is consciously choose to commit my life and my will to Christ's care and control. And that will be a continuation that we'll talk about next week. Uh, But just sort of recap the first two principles. Uh, We won't reread them, but the sort of summary of them is recognize that I'm not God and that I can't fix myself. And then once you do that, realize there is a God that can and that he cares. And that he cares about you. And that he wants to help you. So if there's something in your life that you're struggling with that is preventing you from grabbing a hold of those promises, we would love to talk to you. You can check out Celebrate Recovery on Thursday nights here at Brookwood Church. We start at 6.30 in the chapel. Or if you just want to call the care department, there's going to be a number at the end of this podcast. And we'd love to talk to you about anything that you're struggling with that is preventing you from grabbing a hold of those truths. Um, So we'll continue next week. And we're so grateful that you tuned in. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to the Care Ministries podcast from Brookwood Church. If you'd like more information about today's topic or you need support, you can call us at 864-688-8355. You can also learn more about Care Ministries by visiting www.brookwoodchurch.org care. And make sure to check out all of our upcoming events and support groups on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash brookwoodcare. We'd love to be an encouragement to you as we walk together in a healing relationship with Christ. Until next time, God bless.